I'm, I've been calling these sermons in August, Connected by Design. They're really about the church, about the family of God, about who we are in our lives together. For I believe that we are designed by God to be connected to each other and connected to God through the family we call church. Okay? And, and this morning I want to begin by sharing a video. It's actually a, a testimony about emotionally healthy spirituality. And then we're also starting this year emotionally healthy relationships. And this is a part of what we've been trying to develop over the last several months. There's our pastors and, and some of our lay leaders have been working on a discipleship pathway whereby everything from Sunday morning to our small groups and study opportunities during the week draw us closer together and closer to Christ. We're calling this transformational discipleship. And here's the definition that you'll be hearing again and again. Taking on the mind and heart of Christ, living with the awareness that we participate in the life of God while retaining who we are uniquely created to be. Now, um, the first step in this, as we believe, is to, is to develop a daily relationship with Christ. And, and that's what emotionally healthy spirituality is about, is developing that daily rhythm. And then emotionally healthy relationships is about developing that rhythm with each other, of being Jesus with each other. Um, it's not only just a teaching, but also a small group environment where, again, not only are we getting to know Christ, but we're getting to know each other. So this, this little thing in the, in the pews and in the chairs is an explanation of what comes next. So take a look, be a part of something that's happening this fall. And I'd like for you to hear uh, from um, who's on the video? Mike Jones. Golly, I'd like for you to hear from Mike Jones. EHS to me is um, equipping people with tools to grow in their relationship with God. I had actually read the book several years before and, and worked through some of it on my own. It's well written, it's engaging, and I think it's spot on. I had run from taking the class a little bit, uh, just in terms from time commitment, but it helped hold me accountable. Our days are filled with things that take up our time. So a, a challenge was changing my schedule, being intentional with that, having to be honest with yourself and sometimes dig through stuff you didn't wanna have to dig through. I don't like to admit it, but life's a process. Young Mike would have said, well, you just get the degree, you just find the job, and then you're just sitting there and happy. Uh, and uh, things just don't work that way. <laughs> so a lot of people for workouts or exercise, they're gonna, they're gonna sign up for a class, they're gonna get a coach, they're gonna get something to, again, help hold them accountable. And I think I, for me, I knew I needed that, so. 
actually one of the things that I enjoyed was talking with other guys. People did journal and put down thoughts and were able to give reflective answers that weren't just those typical Sunday school answers that, that you might hear. So don't be put off by the name Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There, there's much more to it. It's about habits and frame of mind and if you dare yourself to to do what they say and what they ask you'll experience some kind of, of change or, or change in thought i can honestly say walking away from the experience it, it was it was powerful for me i know i want to be the the person god designed me to be and that's going to take a uh, change on my part so uh, definitely worth it Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words, O God. Hide me behind the cross so that all that I don't speak, that you would speak instead. And for all that I speak outside, that you would, uh, that you would correct it in our hearing, that we may hear, we may hear your word today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm grateful to Dr. Fred Craddock for the inspiration for this sermon and, and his leadership and understanding and preaching on many of the biblical texts. Um, I don't feel guilty if you found no inspiration in hearing that list of names, other than the perfection that Cindy showed in reading them. And, and you don't hear very many sermons on the list in the Bible. I mean, there's a list of names in the Old Testament. There's a list of names. You don't hear You know why? In seminary, they tell us, do not preach on the list. They do. They say, it's death. It's boring. You'll lose people. As soon as they hear the sermon, they'll start doing something. As soon as they hear the scripture, they'll start doing something else. Don't preach on the list, they're deadly. So why would I preach on the list? Why would I do that? Well, what's going on here? There's something really important going on here in this letter that speaks to us as the family of God. It's interesting to note that Paul has never yet been to Rome. How does he know these people? You know, how does he know these people? Well, we can assume, therefore, that Paul has had connection in one way or another through other places or maybe through other people. Because you can hear his appreciation and you can hear his love for different ones on this list. So somehow, some way, Paul did have a connection. In the list, there's a husband and wife, there's a man named Rufus and his mother. There's a brother and sister. There, is a, there are a couple of sisters. They seem to be twins, uh, Trophania and Trophosa. There's an old man. Uh, there's a single woman, Mary. In some ways, and it's an interesting profile of the church. It's as if sociologically, through those names, we get a picture of what the church might look like. Not a lot of nuclear families in this, are there? Except that Christ has called them together. 
It's an interesting list, sort of. Well, maybe not really, but that's not why we're focused on it. We're focused on it because our memories are wrapped up in names. Our memories are wrapped up in names. Those names paint a picture of our lives. For Paul, this is not just a list. It is not just a list. Let's picture for a moment the context of of Paul writing this letter. I can imagine that Paul is making his plans. He, uh, as he says in the letter, he's going to Rome and then he's going to Spain. But before he goes, he's going to go to Jerusalem. So he's getting ready to go. He's staying with a person named Ganius in Corinth, at the church in Corinth. Uh, in fact, the, the church there met in Ganius' home. And so we can assume that Paul lived there with Ganius. And so now over, we don't know how long it's been that he's in Corinth, but over a while he probably collected a few things. He doesn't have much. So he packs his coat, maybe a blanket. Then he starts to go through his papers. What shall he take with him? What's important to take with him? Some of it he need to throw away. Others would be important. Paul is about... 59, 60, I can imagine in his own mind that he is thinking, I've got one more missionary trip left in me. <laughs> I've got one more ministry. I've got one more charge. I've got one more place. And as he, as he is thinking about his trip, he realizes Jerusalem's going to be dangerous. I mean, his followers are all warning him. They're saying, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Let somebody else deliver the offering to Jerusalem before you go to Rome and then to Spain. There's no reason for you to go to Jerusalem. Let somebody else do it. But, you know, Paul is really hard-headed. We see that in the book of Acts and the letters that he writes. And there's probably none of us that are hard-headed in this room, are there? Not, Not me, of course. So he's going to go. And I believe for Paul, it's not just the sharing of the offering, but for Paul, it is the sharing of encouragement. But Paul knows that it's going to be dangerous. And Paul, I can only believe, knew that there would be a good chance that he would be identified, that he would at least be arrested and possibly executed. What if he did not get the chance to go on to Rome? What if he did not get the chance to go on to Spain? What if he did not get the chance to to codify his teachings? And I think at that moment there in Corinth, he writes Rome, the, the book of Romans, the letter to the church at Rome. Um. This letter is an exposition of the gospel. It it is a teaching letter. It is a precious deposit to the community of the faithful everywhere and in every time. This is Paul's magnum opus. This is the version of who he was as an apostle of Jesus Christ and the gospel itself. 
So he writes it. Now, no matter what happens in Jerusalem, there is at least a document that can be shared. He has codified it. He has put it in writing. So he continues his packing and going through the papers. At some point, I'm sure that he began to see letters and remember names. You've done that. Maybe when you've moved from one place to another, or I know for me, it, it has happened at the passing of my mother and father and going through their things, and I found letters and names, and I had to pause to remember. I can only imagine Paul going through those things and remembering all these people that he has listed for us. Because for Paul, it's not a list. And so he takes his letter out, and, and he inserts these commendations within the letter. He inserts the names and what they mean to him. You know, as a pastor, I've been blessed with fairly long tenures. Uh, one, one church, I spent 17 years there. And so I've been able to put down roots. And it has been most difficult to pull those roots up to move to another church when called upon. I have uh, mementos that every time I move, I pack them carefully, and I always kind of pull them out, certain ones of them. I have a book from a, from a student charge that I had that, that in that book, every member, it wasn't a very big church, by the way, every member wrote me a note and signed it. I have a baseball from another church that everyone on the staff signed and wrote a little note on it. I have a, uh, a book from another church that has just funny pictures in it. And on the back of each picture, there's an explanation and someone has signed it. This is not just a list. It's not a list. You see, every time I move... And I go through those mementos. For me, it's God's way of reminding me of my call to ministry. It is the names. It is the people. It is Opal. Opal was a, a woman in one of my student appointments that would invite me over to lunch with her husband almost every Sunday because she was afraid that a single student pastor did not know how to cook. And she thought that I needed at least one meal a week. I remember C.W. He's on my list. C.W. was the football coach in that small town that sat with me and helped me navigate the first funeral I ever did for a man who had eight children. Then there was Vernon. <laughs> Vernon and I didn't agree on anything. I mean, we disagreed on everything. And who would blame him? I mean, I was young, I was inexperienced, I made a lot of bad decisions. I learned a lot from Vernon. Vernon. And over the years, we came to love each other. And my last Sunday at that church, we hugged and cried. 
It's not a list. This is not a list. He was remembering the people who were special to him. Aquila and Priscilla, they risked their necks for Paul. Edronicus and Junius, they worked together for Paul. They were great Christians. There was Mary. Now, we don't really know much about Mary. We don't know who she is, but we can assume, we can guess that Mary was the one who would say to Paul at the end of the service, Paul, go home. I'll clean up. I'll put the papers away. I'll straighten up the chairs. I'll put the hymnals back in the rack. You go home. You're tired. And Paul would always say, oh, no, 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 Mary, you are just as tired as I am. I will not until everything is done. And she would say, yes, Paul, but you've got to ride a donkey across Asia tomorrow. You go home. I'll pick up here. Paul was remembering those who worked with him in his ministry. For ministry and the church is always about people. I can almost hear Paul's thoughts as he writes. Epitanatus, I remember him. He was the first convert. He was the first one. I was so grateful. Someone finally heard. I can imagine Paul thinking to himself, I was up all night long praising God for his conversion and praying and thinking about the others that would follow. What a marvelous day that was. Him thinking of Trevania and Trevosa. They must have been twins. Trevania and Trevosa, can you hear it? They must have been twins. I mean, and, and, and Paul says it in such a way in the letter, I don't know if this is true, I'm just imagining from my own experience that he probably couldn't tell them apart. Maybe one of them had a mole on their cheek or something, and, and yet he couldn't remember which one was which. And of course, you know how twins do. They always wear the same colors. But they were always there. They were always faithful. They were always true. Tell Rufus hello. And tell his mother hello because she is my mother too. In all of Paul's letter, Rufus' mother earned the title of my mother. I, I, I think of her as I do Opal. She probably always had an apron on. You know, one of those aprons that had stuff stuffed in all the pockets and flour. <laughs> You know, that was, that was forever on it. It was like it was never washed. And, and I, I can just imagine uh, Rufus's mother standing over him and saying, Paul, eat your breakfast. I don't care if you are an apostle, you need to eat. This is not a list. I, I remember my first visit to Washington, D.C., One of the places that I went was the Onyx Black Wall. I know you've probably been there. It's just a wall with names, thousands of names. 
Vietnam names. I, I don't think I know anyone that's listed on the wall. But it was still haunting to me. Because I knew that for every name there was a life. And, and as I sat in a bench and just watched in silence... I saw a woman who went up to the wall, and you could tell she was looking. She went from, from one to another, and then she found it. And she ran her fingers again and again across the name and gently took her lips and kissed it. Uh, there was another woman who I saw. She had two small children with her, and she found the name. She found it, and... And she traced the name herself, and then she took each of her children and had them place their hands and trace the name. And she would kiss their hand and place it again on the name. It was not a list. No, don't call it a list. Don't call that a list. These names in Romans 16 are special to Paul. Because Paul is not just saying, hello. Paul is actually, in some way, saying goodbye. He's basically saying, just in case I don't make it, you are really important to me. You are family. We are connected. And I will take that connection to eternity agonize with me that I won't be killed in Jerusalem that the saints will accept my our offering in Jerusalem and that I will be able to come back to you these are not just names you know we have a membership list did you, did you know that you knew that and for me it's not just a list I want to know every name on the list. And I would pray that we would know every name on the list and that it would not be a list, but that we would be family for our connection is by design. Fred Craddock tells the story of being a student pastor at Watts Bar Lake in Tennessee. And he, and he tells his first experience of their tradition of doing all of their adult baptisms on the evening of Easter. The, the way it would happen is that they would go out to the lake, and there was a sandbar there, and, and the candidates would all go out to the sandbar, and then one by one, the pastor would immerse them in the lake. And then together, they would make their way up to the shore, and there was a makeshift uh, booth, uh, dr dressing area, blankets and poles, and, and they would get dressed, and there would be a fire. And together they would join hands with the rest of that very small congregation. And then they would go through this ritual. One by one, a person around the circle would say, my name is Linda. And if you ever need something to, someone to do washing or ironing, call on me. 
My name is George. And if you ever need somebody to chop wood, call on me. My name is Cindy, and if you ever need somebody to babysit your kids, call on me. My name is, is Henry, and if you ever need somebody to repair your house, call on me. And on they would go until everyone in the church had shared some gift that they could give. And then they would eat, they would square dance, and as it got dark, they would go home. Craddock says that the first time he experienced that, he was so stunned, he stood paralyzed in front of the dying embers of the fire. Just staring into the fire, thanking God. This, this is what it means. Yes, thank you, God. He says that he thought he was alone, but a man by the name of uh, Percy came up to him and said, Preacher, it's time to go home. Credit gave no response. Preacher, it's time to go home. Still, he was silent. Preacher, I know, I know. Every young pastor that we have that comes out here has the same experience because people don't get any closer to each other than this. And around here, we call this church. It's not a list. Don't call it a list. Here's my plan. I uh, was thinking the other day as I was going through my own list, I want to take my list to eternity. You know, because when everything's gone, even in this life, I'll still have the list. So I want to take it to eternity. And I, and I know what you're thinking. I, I know you're thinking that when I get up to the pearly gates, Peter is going to say, John, what you got behind your back? And I'm going to say nothing. And he's going, come on, John. Now, I can, I can see you got something in your hand, and you know you came into this world with nothing. You're going to go out of it with nothing. So give me what you got. Well, Peter, it's just a list. It's, it's just a list. Give it to me. So I reluctantly give it to him. And he looks at it and he goes through it and he starts nodding. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He says, you know, John, I know these people. He says, in fact, as I was coming down to the pearly gates to meet you, I passed them on the way. They were making a sign for you. It said, welcome home. So welcome home, friend. It's not a list. We are not a list. We are designed by God to be in this place, to be a part of this fellowship. So the next time you see a list of names in your Bible, don't skip it. It's not just a list. For every name, Every person was made by God for a purpose, designed for a cause.